Well, today, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to Mark chapter 12 and just put your hand there for just a minute. I did not forget to dismiss the children. Rochelle was already on me. Children, you are dismissed to go to Sunday school. Ha ha, I got her. <laughs> and as uh, you're turning in your Bible or your phone to uh, Mark chapter 12, I want to let you know that here at Mission Church, we do something, we try to make the, the opportunities for you to learn and access God's Word as, as, as easy as possible. So we partner with the Version Bible app on your phone, and the outlines that are in the bulletin is also on the app. And so, if you want to hold on to that, you can save that on your phone. And the way you access it is, you open up the app. Um, on the navigation menu, you have to work from the home screen. Select the more. And you will uh, see events pop up. And where events pop up, uh, Mission Church will be the first one. Because of the location that's, that we're in. And you just select that. It's a live event. And then... Um, uh, the, the sermon notes will pop right up. So uh, it's in your, it, the, the, the instructions are in your outline, and then you can follow along with this up here. But um, if you want to follow along on your phone and save it every week so that you have access to that, you can do that as well too. Just want to make sure that's accessible to you. So in this, into the sermon. Can I ask you a question? This is a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer it. <laughs> but have you ever been blessed? Right? Have you, have you ever just, like, have just been blessed by a, another person or other people? I think all of us understand what I mean by that, because we've all been blessed to, to, to some extent. Um, our church, our church has been blessed. And, and typically when you, when you say blessed, you've, you've been the recipient of a blessing it's typically because someone, someone blessed you generously. And, and, and most parts, for the most part, it's, it's like a generous gift. They, they, they had something and they poured it out on you in a, an abundant measure and, and you were blessed by that. I hope you've experienced some of that before. Um, the, the Mission Church has been blessed. Um, some of you remember Dottie, Dottie Jackson. When she passed, she left her home to the church and wow. That was a blessing, right? And we're so grateful for that. Earlier, Eric said that we were given um, backpacks to share uh, with our community. We're going to bless. We're going to um, bless Carson Elementary, and we're going to bless Foster Elementary with backpacks filled with all the stuff that you bring to stuff them in there. And, and, and that's a generous gift that that we received. Um, we got over 250 backpacks to give away. And we're going to share it with other churches in San Diego so they can be a blessing. But we're going to, you know, it's, it's a blessing. We receive so much, we can give so much. But blessings don't just come in, in monetary or, or, or gifts that way. Sometimes um, uh, blessings come in help, right? Uh, two weeks ago, uh, the Central California Church of the Nazarene had their youth camp here at Point Loma. And my, my buddy who's a youth pastor said, Gordon, we got 140 kids. We want them to do a project. Uh, is there any projects that you know of? So I reached out to Pastor Robert, and we sent 20 kids over to Lakeside to help them. 
we reached out to um, Carson Elementary, uh, where Lucille uh, is the principal, and, and we sent 20 kids to do painting over there. And we kept 40 kids here. And the 40 kids that were here trimmed the hedges. They helped us unpack all of our storage and then repack it nicely. And we got rid of a ton of stuff, and, and they were such a blessing to us. The generous help that they gave was such a blessing. And so there's another blessing. And, and then you've ever been blessed in that you were in need like really, really in need, and, and someone helped to meet that need, that sometimes is a huge blessing. John Langstrat and I, we were picking up furniture that we were uh, going to you know, take and, and then donate to, to um, Carson Elementary, and we were downtown, and we had John's truck loaded up with all this furniture from um, an uh, a office building that... Uh, um, Krista uh, gave us the contact for, and, and we got all this furniture. We parked outside, and when we were ready to leave, John's car couldn't start. We're like, oh, no, we were in such need. We're like, oh, my goodness. So we got on the phone. We kept calling people, trying to get uh, help. And thankfully, um, John's son, DJ, just worked two blocks around the corner. He was able to reach DJ. DJ rolled up in his car. We got the jumper cables all on. The car started quickly. And we were off. But we were so blessed that when we needed help, help was there, right? So I think you understand we've all been blessed in some form or another because we've been the recipient of generosity, of either someone giving things to us, helping us in a time of need. This church, our church, have been blessed so much. I, I ask you this question because um, I wanted to share a time with you when Jesus was blessed. When Jesus was blessed. Like, we, we understand what blessing is. We've been the recipient of blessing. There was a time that Jesus was blessed, and I want to share that time with you. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 12. You, at the end of that chapter, you see the story of the widow's offering. And some of you may be familiar with that story. Um, the, I'm going to just read that passage of Scripture for you. It's Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. And hear the word of the Lord. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. This is the reading of God's word for us today. Looking at this passage of scripture right here in Mark chapter 12, I share this because we're continuing our sermon series on our oikonomia, our stewardship. And, um, and what I want you to do is look at the passage that we just read, for, we just read from Mark chapter 12. And standing alone, just looking at this passage alone, what's the message? What do you see there? When I read it just as it is, the message that comes to me is this. Jesus notices when we give. 
right? Especially when we give sacrificially. That's, that, I mean, just when you just read the verses that I read for you, he, he sees this, this woman, this widow, poor widow. She, she only had two copper coins to give, and she gave it all. This sacrificial giving is what Jesus notices, and he highlights that, right? So, the, the easy message to preach is, we're called to be just like the widow as we give to support the church, right? Give sacrificially. Give all that you have. <laughs> and, um, and then I say, amen, and this is the end of the service, and, and we all hear a message and see this passage and go, oh, we have to give like this woman. But what if I told you that is not the conclusion we come to when we read this passage of Scripture. Can I get an amen? <laughs> this shouldn't be the, the conclusion of what we read here because there is so much to this story. Did you, ever, did you notice that at the end of this passage of Scripture, Jesus does not tell us to be like this woman? There's no instruction that Jesus gives to us to say, you see this Widow who put in everything that she had, you should do that as well. It's not in there. It's not in there. And so, there's a bigger picture that we need to see. And I would like to, for us to see Scripture in this way. To look at the context of how this story unfolds. And that's why my sermon today is called The Context of Generosity. Okay? And so you have your, your Bibles open to Mark chapter 12 because we're going to look at the context. We're not just going to look at this one passage of Scripture that might easily say Jesus notices what you give and, and gives sacrificially because that's the example that was given to us. That's not what I hope you come away with because that's not what I got. If we look at the big picture, we find the greater context. And let's find out what Jesus is really saying to us here. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus, the context is that he is in Jerusalem. And he's about three days in from when he arrived in the triumphal entry into Jerusalem for his very last time. Okay, So there's the context. Jesus already knows what's going to happen. This is the last week of his life. It's three days until Jesus is betrayed. Jesus is arrested. Jesus is beaten. Jesus is crucified and he dies. So he's in this window of time where this is the last hours or the last days of his life. And if you were given only a finite, like you knew exactly what was going to happen at the end of the week and then it was done. What would you do? I t we, we know what Jesus did because it's recorded in the Word of God. Jesus goes to the temple. He goes to the temple and Jesus begins to teach for the last time the most important things that he has to share with the people there and his disciples. This is the last week of his life. What am I going to do? I'm going to, I need to share the most important things now. 
and this is it. And then he begins to teach. And this is what we find in Mark chapter 12. So in Mark chapter 12, Jesus begins with the parable of the tenants. If you have your Bibles open or your Bible app open, it says the parable of the tenants. And the parable of the tenants is a prophetic word of Jesus' own life and death. There is a landowner. He purchases his land and, and buys a wine press and he gets the vineyard ready and then he hires tenants to come and work it. And when harvest time comes, the tenants decide to keep everything for themselves. This, this parable of the tenants is a lesson against Greed. And it's, it's, it's a lesson pointed at the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And they know it. And like I said, this is, this is a prophetic word about Jesus' own life. The owner of, of the land sends people to, to collect from the tenants and, and they, they say no to each one. They beat them up. And then the owner says, I'm going to send my son. They'll honor him. And instead the tenants beat and kill prophetically Jesus is speaking of himself and the Pharisees listening to this knew that those tenants that Jesus was speaking against he was talking about them right and, uh, and as a result, they, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they're upset at Jesus now. They've already been mad at Jesus. Now they really want to get him. So they said, you know what? We've got to think of a way to get rid of this guy. And so as you read in Mark chapter 12, over and over again, they send Pharisees, they send people to butter Jesus up. They try to trick him, right? They try to, and they try to trap him at his words. Because if they, if they can trap Jesus, they can, they can get rid of him. That's what they wanted to do. Let's get rid of Jesus. So they send people in and, and, and they try to trap Jesus at his words. And so as you read down in, in Mark chapter 12, they send some people in and they say, You are so wise. You, 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 are, are all, you, you, you don't show any partiality. Can, can you tell us? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Right? It's there in your, in your Bible. You see it right there. Knowing that if Jesus says, ha, no way we shouldn't pay taxes to Caesar, that the Roman guards would arrest him and take him away. If Jesus said, you know what, that's the law. We need to pay taxes to Caesar. Every Jewish person in there would abandon Jesus because they were not interested at all in paying taxes to Caesar. So the Pharisees thought, we got him. If he says yes, the Jews will leave. If he says no, he'll get arrested by the Romans. And, uh, and, and everything that we want to get rid of Jesus is there. And you, you see how Jesus responds in Mark chapter 12, verses 15 to 17? He calls them out. He says, why are you trying to trap me, he asked. Bring me a denarius and let me take a look at it. They brought the coin and asked him, Whose image is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God, back to God. To God what is God's. And they were astounded. Wow, this guy, he got us, right? 
But if we understand from last, last Sunday's message and we apply the understanding of biblical stewardship to what Jesus is teaching us here, good stewardship means that, that, that God calls us to care for everything we have. Not just the things that we think come from God. Because everything comes from God. And because everything comes from God, it changes the perspective of what Jesus says here. When Jesus says, give back to God what belongs to God, what does it mean? Everything belongs to God. And we should say amen to that, right? Because that's what Jesus is teaching here. And then they go on to ask him questions and try to trip him up about the resurrection and, and who, who's going to be whose when the resurrection comes. And then Jesus answers perfectly there. And then another guy comes and, and um, he asks about the importance of which is the greatest commandment. And so all of these things are just controversial at the time. And to each one, Jesus just nails the answers beyond what even the people thinking they're going to trap him, even understood how to respond to that. And every time they try to trap him, they fail. Jesus astounds the people with his answers. And finally, towards the end of chapter 12, Jesus takes the offensive. and Then he gives us a warning. He gives the people a warning. And the thing about this warning that Jesus gives is that he's calling people out. He gives, he names names, right? And, and he says in verse 38 to 40, look in verse 38 to 40, this is what Jesus says as he taught. Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. And they're standing right there, right? They, he's, he's talking about them and the them are there. Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplace and have the most important seats in the synagogue and the place of honor at the banquets. They devour widows' homes for a show, and for a show, make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Boom. Right? Jesus calls them out right there. He says, these guys are, 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 are hypocrites. They're greedy. They take advantage of, of the power that's invested in them. Their pride, their greed, their hypocrisy makes them the people that will be punished most severely. Don't be fooled by outward appearances. Value the things that God values, not what the world values. Jesus is taking the last opportunities that he has to give these teachings because in just a few days, he's going to be gone. And right here, Jesus preaches against greed and hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Verse 40, the devour widows' houses, and for a show, they make lengthy prayers. He names the, the, the teachers of the law right there. And Jesus is not joking around this time, right? He's serious. And right after Jesus gives this teaching, he walks away from that area and he moves over to where the offering is being taken. And it's the passage that we began with today. 
where Jesus is standing there where the offering is being taken, and he sees a widow, a widow, put two copper coins into the treasury. And he calls his disciples together, and he says, the riches that they've given, but it's this this widow who gave her last two copper coins, the one that that he highlights. And, um, and, and so, th- this is the context now. It's not, it's not, I noticed your sacrificial giving, so give sacrificially. It's not that at all. What Jesus is really doing in Mark chapter 12, and in highlighting the, the widow's offering of the two coins in the treasury, is Jesus is contrasting the greed of the Pharisees and the generosity of this widow. You see, the Pharisees were teachers of the law. And you know what the law called people to do? Is the law called people to care for the less fortunate. To, to help the poor, and especially the widows. That's the call of the law. But instead of doing what the law asked and called the keepers of the law to do, which was to care for those who had need the most, they disregarded that part of the law and took into the temple treasury the only income that the poor had. Their greed overshadowed everything that they were supposed to be doing. And so instead of helping the poor and the widows and those in need, they were content to rob them of their livelihood and their inheritance. And the darkness of their greed really highlights and shine, makes the offering of this widow shine so much more brightly. So the big takeaway from Mark chapter 12 is a strong, strong teaching against greed. You know what greed is? Greed is greed is the fruit of a sin that, that is much more insidious than the greed itself. Greed, greed is the fruit that grows on the vines of idolatry. And idolatry is the heart and the root of, of greed. The problem with idolatry is that it breaks the first two commands that God gave to Moses to give to the people to obey. Right? The first two commands, you shall have no other God before me. That's the first command, right? And the second, do not have any idols. And greed breaks the first two commands. Because it is idolatry. It is, it is honoring something more than God. And desiring that more than anything else in this world. And the Apostle Paul, he recognizes this. And warns the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 5. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure or greedy person. Such a person as an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Woo! Greed is idolatry, church. 
and the strong, strong words that come from the Apostle Paul is basically echoing what Jesus is teaching in the last week of his life. This is the last time I get to talk to you and teach you what is so important. Hear me when I say this. Don't allow greed to capture your heart. That is idolatry. And there are consequences to this kind of sin in people's lives. And and Jesus uses his last breaths to teach on the consequences of greed and idolatry. Because when greed and the lust for money becomes a person's idol, it becomes their God, and it, it creates an unhealthy relationship that we have with the things of this world. And this unhealthy relationship is a constant desire for more and more. And, and, and what you have is not enough. 1 Timothy 6.10 becomes truth when people are embroiled in, in the sin of idolatry and the lust for greed. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Wow. Truer words. I was going to say true words have never been spoken, but they've been spoken. (laughs) But this is truth right here, right? Because instead of serving Jesus, all their effort goes to serving the lust for more, more money, more whatever it is that becomes your idol, and you become greedy for it. When I was just leaving Hawaii for the first time, I was 20 years old. And I was at Sandy, uh, Honolulu First Church of the Nazarene. And, and the church prayed for me before I left. I remember that. They asked me to come to the altar. Gordon, as you leave to go to college, we want to pray for you. And I knelt down and the, the men in the church came and prayed and laid hands on me. And there was an old gentleman in the church, Hal Meadows. He was kind of like my spiritual mentor. And he said something to me I still remember to this day while I was there at the altar, because I was a business major. (laughs) What are you going to study? Study business administration. And he says, Gordon, listen. Don't let money ever become more important than God. And this is what he said to me. Be a Lord over your money. Because if you're not a Lord over your money, it will Lord over you. And you don't want that. And I didn't understand what he was talking at the time. I didn't understand what he meant. But what he was saying was, if you're not careful to make sure that the, the, the money that you have serves you, if you're not careful, then you will become a servant to it. And you never, ever want that to happen in your life. And I get it now. I get it. I get I understand what it means when Jesus is 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 calling out the greed and the hypocrisy of those who were supposed to obey the law and keep the law and care for those in need and instead exploits them for their own need. That's the great sin that Jesus 
was fighting against. And this kind of problem, this, this greed issue, it's, it's a problem for all people. The striving for more money impacts the rich as it does the poor. We were gathering for prayer this morning at 8 a.m. And, uh, and John here drove by the same billboard I drive by, come into church, and there's the Powerball and the Mega Millions. And did you see what the Mega Millions is going for now? $1.5 billion. B- b- billion. <laughs> and he said, Pastor, we should be praying that somebody in the church wins that. <laughs> but honestly, when you think about it, those who can least afford to buy lottery tickets are piercing themselves with many griefs. That's what the Bible says. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Oh, I, can, I cannot afford to do that. Neither can any of us. Because it would pierce our hearts with grief. Financially, I could buy a couple of tickets. But what would that do to our hearts? And that, to me, is what Jesus is more concerned with over anything. Because having money is not the issue. The love of money over all things. When it becomes an idol, it becomes the problem. It becomes the sin. And so today, as we talk about the context of generosity, my... my, My message to you about this whole context is that it all comes under the context of relationships. Generosity is about relationships. It's about our relationship with God, our relationship with things, money, things of this world, whatever it is that can become an idol, and it's our relationship with each other. And it all comes together and plays a part Because when the relationships are the way it should be, when Jesus is Lord and nothing else competes or compares with him, when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and when our relationship with our things, our money, whatever it is, when that's in the right place, when when it serves us instead of us serving it, when it doesn't lord over us, I believe that is when the joy of generosity blossoms in our lives. And when the joy of generosity blossoms in our lives, that first question I asked you, you've ever been blessed before? It's not so much about what we receive, The greatest joy is what God has given us to give away. That's the context of generosity. Paul shares the beautiful remedy of greed and 
idolatry. When he says in Acts 20.35, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself when he said, It is more blessed to give than receive. Now, this passage of scripture where Paul says, As Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than receive, you will not find that line in any of the Gospels. We believe that it has been passed down by oral tradition, and this is something exactly what I believe Jesus would say. And the blessing of generosity comes not so much in receiving, although we have been the recipients of so much. I have. The church has. I pray that you have. I pray that there are people in your lives that pour out so much blessing on you. But I pray that you get the opportunity to experience the great joy and blessing of being a person who has the relationship with God where it should be and the relationship with the things of this world as it should be that you might be a person that is able to have the blessing and the joy to be able to be generous and to give. So the context of generosity is that we are blessed to be recipients for sure. But there is a blessing for those who give that may be even greater than anything we could receive when we are able to give with great joy. And the widow's offering shows that it's not the amount that you give. Two copper coins worth just a few cents. It's not the amount that you give, but the heart and the spirit from which you give. But I will tell you this, and this is why Jesus, I believe, doesn't tell us, you see this widow, you should be like her. She's our example. He doesn't ever say that. Because the widow should not be our example. You know who should be our example? God. We should always look back to God as the example that we follow. When Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he said, this is the example I am leaving for you. Now you go and do likewise. That's generous. (laughs) Instead of being served, he serves. Instead of being the recipient of all these things, Jesus gave. He gave it all. And when Jesus is Lord and generosity grows in our hearts, we are blessed because we are conformed to his image. We can, in the context, be generous in our giving. Matthew 6.19, I'll end with this verse. Matthew 6.19-21 to Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Will you bow your heads and join me in prayer? Jesus, will you be our treasure? Will you be our treasure so that our hearts will be where you are? 
Will you be our example, dear Lord, so that we can see how to be generous? My prayer today is that you help us to be more like you in this way. Because this is the context of what it means to be generous. Help us, Lord God, to move beyond ourselves. Because in and of ourselves, Lord, it's so easy to seek to fulfill the needs that we have for ourselves. Lord, move us so that our stewardship would be honoring to you because everything has come from you. All that we have, Lord God, is yours. Give us a generous heart today, we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen.